0: Welcome to our podcast, Conversations About Student Mental Health. I'm Chris Leonard, clinical social worker working with adolescents for over 25 years. In this podcast, I talk with school administrators, educators, clinicians, and parents to open a dialogue that will help the growing number of students struggling with mental illness. Who is not feeling fearful or anxious today? COVID-19 has us all hunkering down at home. We're worried about running out of food, worried about finances, worried about running out of toilet paper. We're worried that we will get the virus and more worried about our loved ones who are most vulnerable due to age or medical fragility. We're all just plain worried. We wash our hands, we wash again. We try to adjust to news and updates that seem to change hourly. Today, we're gonna talk about anxiety what it is, what to do about it, and what not to do about it. We'll also discuss how to talk to young people and help them cope during this time of tremendous uncertainty. I'm pleased to welcome John Riley to the podcast today. John is a clinical social worker and certified psychoanalyst with 30 years of experience working with adolescents and adults. He also provides intensive clinical supervision to many clinicians, and regularly writes about anxiety and treatment techniques. Welcome to the podcast, John.
1: Hey, thanks, Chris. I was listening to that intro, and I, I, I didn't even know until about six weeks ago that I had the the uh, phobia of, an anxiety phobia of the loss of toilet paper. That's something we're all having to contend with now, and it's uh, it's been quite a thing to watch people uh, navigate over the last several weeks.
0: Yeah, it, it's a good point because... Um, you know, anxiety, we 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 felt that anxiety has been an epidemic for some time now. We've really been, you know, people constantly talk about the epidemic of anxiety in the country. But uh, the things that we're anxious about were never things that gave us pause before. So can you... Can yeah, there's you, a, lot, a lot of things to try to control. I think, you know, I, I've been thinking about this toilet paper hoarding. And I think, you know, with all the stuff that's out of control,
1: people try to control something in their life. So sometimes things can be as simple as trying to control how much toilet paper you have in your house, milk you have in your house. You see that before snowstorms. You see it before, you know, other kind of storms. People hoarding things that really they're not going to have any problem getting. But the hoarding causes causes a, a run on things and a, and a panic and more anxiety.
0: So it's kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I think that, that that's going to play a role in some of what we're going to talk about today, that idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But You know, to that point, can you talk a little bit about your anxiety, understanding of what anxiety is and and what purpose it serves?
1: Well, before I get to that, I want to, you know, the word epidemic for anxiety, I think those of us that are in the mental health field, um, are, you know, I'm not sure we're seeing it as an epidemic because we've always, we've always seen it. I think what there is, is, is more awareness over anxiety and its manifestations than ever before and willing, people willing to get some help and to talk about it, um, the sense that going to therapy and going on medication is less stigmatized than it's been in the past. So I think that's been an overall good thing. Um, there are certainly there are certainly other parts of our daily lives and culture that I think are contributing to anxiety, since are, you know, obviously our cur- current pandemic. But aside from that, the 24 seven know, news cycle, uh, people being glued to social media, uh, busy lives, um, not getting enough sleep. It's all contributes to levels of, of anxiety and. Uh, people prior to this pandemic didn't have enough downtime. And I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see people, you know, disengage a little bit. Everyone's brains were always engaged in doing something and being busy. Um, and I know sometimes when I'm driving in my car, you know, you look at, you know, you're at a stoplight. And as soon as people stop at a stoplight, they're down looking at their phone. They're doing, you know, people are always, always engaged. There's no time to just think and meditate. So I think that and lack of sleep and all of that contributes to, you know, intense anxiety. So about anxiety, you know, anxiety gets a bad rap. I mean, it, it's really a very uncomfortable feeling of worry, nervousness, and unease, disease. It lies on a continuum between mild um, to, to severe, like panic attacks. People with panic attacks or claustrophobia would, would be a you know a real intense sort of anxiety. One would feel panic, shortness of breath, uh, desperation. Sometimes people can connect to what's causing their anxiety more often than not, people have no idea uh, why they're feeling anxious and there's kind of this uh, free-floating anxiety that people have. Uh, One thing that people are starting to realize is that it can manifest in various different ways that are not directly felt as anxiety. Uh, It can be like a slight tightness in the chest, headaches, stomach aches, back problems, um, some of those somatic ways. Sometimes people don't even realize those somatic complaints are due to anxiety and when there is a connection made it's often very helpful because one of the things that helps with anxiety is knowing is there and then understanding what the anxiety is signaling. Does that make it so anxiety kind of as a signal for some underlying difficulty or, or problem?
0: Yeah, that aligns with my view. Um, you know, anxiety serves a uh, survival purpose to us. You know, when, When we were hunter-gatherers and we were living alongside saber-toothed tigers, uh, if you saw a saber-toothed tiger, it was a good thing to get anxious because you had to figure out what you were going to do to survive. Were you going to stand and and square off with it, with your spear? Were you going to run? What were you going to do to keep yourself alive that day? And I think a lot of times people experience um, anxiety in this kind of fight-or-flight, life-or-death situation, and it seems to me that people kind of cultivate a habit um, and out of necessity often because they've had childhood experiences. Something has happened in their life where they have felt that they've been in danger and they get very accustomed to that sense of being in danger. And they, they, it, it sets up a pattern in their life where they are constantly defending themselves against the impending danger. Um, and that, that becomes the, the story of their life that they tell themselves to survive, but it outlasts its usefulness for people. Um, you know, so that, that's, you
1: know, I have some, some thoughts about that, especially regarding trauma. Maybe we can talk about
0: that a little bit later, but I, I have an example of
1: a somatic complaint. The patient came in with the other day. She, uh, she came in with a headache and you know, she's been, she's been prone to have headaches when, when something is stressful, stressful is going on. So knowing that I, I was kind of mm-hmm. asking her to, to, to tell me what's been going on in her life. And, uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it immediately obvious, but there's, you know, this, this thought in psychotherapy that the unconscious always pushes for expression. So if you kind of ask the right questions and listen, somehow it'll pop up. So what she was talking about is her son is an essential worker and he has to go out there into the world, you know, on a daily basis and, uh, and come home to her. And, you know, as she talked about it, you know, I, I, I noticed her, her voice change and some concern happened. I said, you know, I wonder in some way if, if your headaches are caused by, one, your worry for your son, and then the worry for yourself about her him bringing home, you know, the, the, the virus to you. And she's, you know, she said, wow, I didn't really realize that, but that's exactly what I'm stressed about. She didn't want to really, that's one of those things where she didn't want to realize how scared she was for her son, how scared she was for herself. So she kind of suppressed it, but it did cause some tension in her mind. And as, you know, often happens in therapy, if you make the connection and, and help someone kind of bring it into the consciousness, it does help people begin to, you know, um, calm down. You know, there still may be an urgent situation going on. She still has to kind of be very aware of what's going on in her life, in her son's life. But at least she's aware that the headache, that, that it was
0: causing her a, a tremendous amount of stress coming out in the headaches. Mm. Well, I think, I think, you know, that, that makes me think that, Generally, people think of anxiety as something they have to avoid at all costs or something that they've got to get rid of or, um, you know, and and when something manifests as a headache, when a feeling like that manifests as a headache, that is it's not a conscious decision. Oh, you know, I don't want to worry oh, right, about my right. son, so let me get a headache. It, it, right. it plays out that way, though. Uh, but when you bring it to consciousness the, the headache no longer becomes a, a, a necessary or seemingly necessary means of coping. But what are your thoughts on, oh, it's a, on...
1: La- it's, a la- it's a language, right? It's, you know, when we express yes. things, you know, somatic, somatic, uh, mm-hmm. complaints are can be kind of language. You kind of know if you're a therapist, if someone is prone to that, you, you, you know, to look for stress or depression, um, something underneath it. all. So it's not a bad thing. It's functional. It can lead us to take action when we're in danger. It can lead us to take action, On something not so dangerous, like, you know, if you have financial problems, it may cause anxiety over money, may cause one to set a budget, get a job, think more consciously of their, of their financial situation rather than just, you know, deny it and and ignore it. Um, The kind of anxiety that's a problem is the intense and preoccupied anxiety. When you hear someone's being neurotic, that's that's what we talk about. Neurotic, you know, neurotic anxiety is, doesn't have a biological base. It could be a uh, preoccupation, nervousness, obsessive compulsiveness, and just in an excessive manner. So thats um, that may be caused by a conflict something like you know we talked about before being repressed or suppressed that causes the anxiety. It's like the I like to see it as a check engine light on a car. you know when the check engine light goes out it lets you know something's something's wrong. Um, you can keep driving it, you can keep riding it, but sooner or later, it's going to get to a point where you need to pay attention to it. So, you know, we like to see if, if you know, if a patient comes in my office and it's feeling anxious or even depressed about something and not clear on what it is, try and trace it back to what, what the cause of it is. Uh, you know, it can be a signal that something's not right and that there's something unconsciously preoccupying that, that may not be too clear. Uh, I had an example of that happen to me one time. Um, several years ago, I, I, was, I had this just feeling of, anxiousness and a little bit of dread, you know, but nothing so, so great, you know, and I was talking to, I think I was actually talking to you, Chris, about this. This is probably six or seven years ago. And um, you you knew that uh, my son, Jesse, was going away to camp for for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you being, uh, you know, having been in the, in, the, in the camp business years ago, you know, you, you kind of know that's a big deal for parents. And I think you mentioned it to me that, you know, I wonder if this has anything to do with you know, your son going to camp in, a, in another week or two. And that that was exactly it. It was something that he was excited about. I was having to deal for my first time with my son going away for, you know, seven, eight weeks, again, an exciting time, but something that caused some, some discomfort in me that I didn't really want to deal with. So again, I think in that case, I think it was you that, that, uh, that brought that to my attention. And after that, I was like, okay, I could really embrace, you know, the feelings I was having, but also, kind of be excited about him leaving and just being aware of those, you know, those kind of conflicting feelings that can go on for somebody.
0: So, so you have an openness. uh, We have an openness to kind of exploring what, what is this about? What might be going on for me right now? What, what might be happening here? How, how can we help people? Because people do all sorts of things to avoid their anxiety. You know, uh, liquor sales right now are probably at an all time high. People drink, people smoke, people gamble, people obsess, people do all sorts of things to not deal with the anxiety that's presenting to themselves.
1: How do you sure. help people
0: how do you help people get past those those avoidance strategies?
1: Well, you know, I, I think Right now in this pandemic, it's been a really, it's been a real interesting shift in, in the work. At least the first several weeks, it was kind of having to take everyone's temperature, my own, you know, we, we're, we're all going through this with everyone else. We have to kind of see how we're feeling about things. So, you know, as far as specifically dealing with the pandemic issue right now, because that's what a lot of people are talking about. What can I do, you know, during this time to stay calm uh, amid the, the pandemic? And, you know, I, I think you know, basic needs are important, just like with anything else. Uh, you have to make sure you have your food and essentials, uh, and 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 loved ones are all taken care of the best you can. If your finances finance are being disrupted, like so many people's finances are being disrupted, you know, really try to plan for that the best you can. You know, some people that would never think of themselves going, you know, on you know to the government for help. You know, there are programs right out there to to get help. So put your pride aside and realize that you had this is not your own. This is not of your own making. You know, this is not a, you know, this is something that just came out of left field and surprised the whole world. So, you know, take care of yourself in that way. Take care of your health. Like you were saying, Chris, what some people do when they're stressed um, or things are out of control, they overeat or drink too much. Uh, but while that may feel good in the moment, it really won't help. Um, try to set up some, some healthy habits. People, are, I've noticed people that never worked out before working out. I noticed people that never walked, walking outside, walking several times. I see dogs, uh, people's dogs are tired. They don't want to go for another walk with their owners anymore because the owners are going out for walks all the time. And that's that's kind of been a good thing. Um, there's also many uh, options for working out. People are posting videos on YouTube, uh, to, how to do you know at-home workouts. So, you know, that's a big thing. Try to establish some sort of routine if you're a person who needs structure. Um, Send an alarm. Make your bed. Shower. Uh, try to try to set up a place at work that's comfortable for you. Um, maybe put on some some work type of clothes. It was funny when we're doing all these meetings on uh, you know online with videos. You know, I, I was in one the other day and I saw somebody you know dressed pretty impressively, had a shirt and a tie on, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty great for a uh, a video meeting. And and then uh, I was on with a bunch of people. The person's phone rang. They had to get up, and they got up, and they were wearing their underwear and, and a dress shirt. So it was like <laughs> it's like one of the. So be comfortable at home, but not you know. But be also be aware and be too comfortable. So that, so that was a little comic relief throughout all of this uh, all of this uh, seriousness that we're going through. Um, the other piece, and I'm sure you're saying this to your clients too, Chris. Uh, limit your time watching news. Oh yeah, you know, so, social media. I mean, it's twenty four seven, um, of, of, negativity, of urgency. Uh, you know, I remember uh, thinking, of, thinking about this the other day, you know, go back to how we got news in the, in the 1980s. For those of you that were aware of news in 1980, you know, we had the five o'clock and the six o'clock news, check in one time a day, get the information that you need and then shut it off. I mean, things are changing rapidly, but usually not that rapidly. So if you can get it every, every 12 or 24 hours, that can be helpful. Um, social media we all have the dooms the doomsdayers on uh, on our, uh, in our in our friend group on social media they're either all po- po- politics or all pandemic all the time there's a great option on I think on Facebook they can snooze somebody for 30 days so it might be someone you want in your life you know overall but maybe not during the worst of times because too much of them is, is no good so uh, that's one of the things so just really limit your exposure to the negativity uh, try a new hobby or an interest. Um, certainly have the time now. Um, I haven't. I don't have as much time as I thought I was going to have. So I, I do have to work on that. But uh, you can read a book. You can write a book. You can, you know, watch old movies. Um, you could. You could. You know, so many things. You know, one can do. So it's. We're not going to have this chance this time again ever. You know, likely to be shut down and be hunkered down at home for weeks at a time. So I'm trying to, and I, I'm sure you are, Chris. Cause I know how you approach life. You're trying to make the most out of this you know, difficult situation and grow from it. So I think this is a a great time to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm really trying to, you know, look, it's, it's sad. It's tragic. Uh, You and I both know people who have died Um, there. It's, it's worrisome, you know, for all of us. Um, But I try to balance that with the opportunity that's, that's available. And, and it's interesting, you know, uh, you, you listed a ton of great strategies for people to cope with anxiety. And the one that really resonated with me was learning something new. Because when right. you learn something new, you're you're literally rewiring your brain. Yeah. And when you're rewiring your brain and creating new neural pathways, your brain is going to respond differently to everything, you know. So, you know, learning something new and even and whether it's, you know, sitting down to meditate or whether it's playing chess or. You know, something where you're where you're focused on something that you and, and trying something that you haven't tried before, it really is an opportunity for for you to kind of reshape your your brain a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, one one of the things that I've noticed, and it certainly it's happened in my life, and I'm noticing around my neighborhood, is people are families
0: are spending more time together. People are going mm-hmm. outside for bike rides. I'm having great conversations,
1: you know, with my kids, uh, and they. They're spending a lot of time, you know, Xbox and all that stuff, but there's been some really quality time, you know, sitting down and having dinners together. It really slowed the pace of life down tremendously and certainly going to make me reevaluate what, you know, I don't know if I want to go back to normal, really. I don't want my normal to be what it was and, you know, never had this opportunity to kind of reflect on it until it was stopped and you really have to kind of look at it. So I think there's some silver linings in here, you know, and, and you said something about learn something new, learn to change. I mean, we've all had to, you know, really adapt and change very quickly to some, you know, very difficult situations. And I'm always amazed by the resilience of, of human beings. It takes a lot to break 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 people, you know. People do find ways to, to adjust, you know, some, some quicker than others. You know, we yeah. all have different capacities. You know, some people do it easily. Um, some people have a real challenge to do it. But um, I see it. I see that there's, uh, you know, there's people that have um, difficulty not being in control with loss of control. And our jobs are often to help people let go of some of the control and to work on being more flexible and resilient. And this pandemic has been a crash course in this. Uh, You know, usually when we look to make adjustments in life, it's something we plan for and we take time and we talk about it. You know, we didn't have that ability, you know, this time it was just kind of thrust upon us. Uh Um, I remember, I remember, you know, you know, with Sage day, one of the things we had to do was switch over to, to being a traditional school, you know, um, and, and, you know, and then within a week or two, um, switch over to doing everything online and doing therapy online. And I, you know, it's been amazing to watch the, the students, the teachers, the creativity that's come up and the commitment to the great work that's been going on. And this is something that if we would have tried to design it, it would have taken, we probably would have taken one or two years to roll such an initiative out, just like most public schools, and everyone really had to be resilient and get up to speed. So I think this has been a really, a real great opportunity for people that need control and planning to have to be more resilient. I'm working on, a, I'm working on that a lot with my own, you know, patients, people that really have had to have routines and, and have it their way. This has really been turned upside down, and you know, remarkably, they're 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 doing it. A lot of talking, a lot, a lot of feelings about it, but you know, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, Chris. But it's been uh, it's been a really neat um, opportunity as a therapist to uh, go through something myself. Uh, you know, at the same time as my patients are adjusting to it, and watching how we all have to work this through because we are certainly all in this together.
0: Yeah, no, I, I certainly have seen uh, people struggling with control, people who are used to feeling, you know, I can pretty much dictate. I'm the captain of my own ship. I can control what happens in my life. I've got a great workout routine. I do this, I do that. Um, you know, um, I, I'm thinking of one person in particular who had really, uh, turned his life around and had really been able to go from really being a shut in to becoming involved and getting into intense exercise, which required a real high end gym to do. And uh, was being more social and getting out there and moving forward with his academic life. All sorts of these things were were all happening after a period of really being stuck. And he initially and and he's still struggling with being so angry uh, with how his life has just been shut down and how he has now been forced back to actually his previous comfort zone, which is no longer a comfort zone for him. Uh, because his life became much more about control and achievement. Um, so it's been, it's been, a, I think we're still working, We're. it's going to be a while working this through because it, it's it's almost like an, in some sense, it's an opportunity to rework through some of the stuff that, you know, maybe the some of the leftover stuff because sure. that being shut in, that was all about control in a different way. Right. So. You know,
1: I, I was, I was wondering, as you were talking about this, this person, you know, did, did, uh, did he or she have a trauma history because I'm noticing that um, some people have had, you know, trauma in the history. Now when I'm, when we say trauma, I'm talking, you know, we're talking about a, a continuum of trauma, you know, divorce, loss of, uh, you know, loss of a parent, you know, early, I'm talking about early traumas, loss of someone, divorce, um, uh, abuse of, of, of various sorts, mm-hmm. alcoholism, the family. so there's various kind of, uh, you know, trauma issues. They all, uh, we're having to face, you know, loss of control, loss of freedom, loss of, uh, ch- life changing, um, uh, you know, on a dime, uh, not knowing or knowing too much is all things that we're kind of contending with now. That's all kind of stuff that happens for someone that's been traumatized, you know, and, and for some, this kind of initially sent them into a, a panic, um, a reaction of some sort. And I've noticed that, uh, you know, knowing their history, they were kind of reliving the trauma from the past, in a sense, not 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 knowing it, but no, and, and we were able to make that connection. It's how, it actually gave us an opportunity to, to work it through, like you said, at a deeper level, mm-hmm. you know, because the idea would be that, um, you know, they already lived through the trauma, but a lot of times that people that have lived through the trauma that don't really remember to repress it or haven't worked it through, they're expecting something bad to happen in the future. Now, something bad is always going to happen in the future. That's how life is, but it's not necessarily. You know what they think it is. The, the bad has already happened, so get them to work through what the bad was, put it into words, talk about it with somebody, and this this will give us opportunity to work through the trauma and become better able to respond to future crisis situations. So it doesn't have to set them back into a you know a, a trauma reaction. Does that make sense? And is that oh yeah, what now, it,
0: it definitely does. Yeah that that particular person, I, I wouldn't say there was a history of trauma, but I do have some other people I work with for whom trauma uh, was present, you know, childhood abuse. And what I see, uh, what I've seen with one person in particular is that the story of his life that he tells himself is that people in charge are bad and people in charge are incompetent and people in charge are going to lead us into danger. And so he always is, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, wherever it is in the political realm, there's always somebody who's screwing it up and is going to make it bad and make it worse. And so the story is, that he tells himself is that I always have to be ready for it to get worse. I always have to be ready for the thing that's that's going to just, just be the, the last straw. And what we're trying to look at is... Um, When you live that way, when you live as if the the impending bad thing is going to happen, you're always living as if it already has. And as you said, for people who've experienced trauma, the bad things have happened. But to live in that constant state of arousal, that constant state of waiting for the axe to fall, you're living as if axes are falling all the time. Right, it really robs you from living in the moment. And, and right. yes, you may be you may be
1: prepared, like all those people that were doomsdayers, right? That they, they were prepared for the pandemic, but they've been living like this one for the past twenty years. So exactly. They, you know, they have. They're all hunkered down, and and you know, a bit paranoid at times. So I think you know that that's a, that's a good example. Um, you know, the other thing I'm noticing with people that have had <laughs> trauma is that. Um, they might not have had any, any huge reaction to this, but they're talking about their trauma from the past. It's, it's happened with a couple of patients that they've brought in, you know, a material that we've never really talked about before I've talked about in a superficial way. And it's just coming up, you know, with more depth and, and, uh, you know, helping to move the therapy along. So, you know, this has really been something that you couldn't design right as a therapist, but it, it's, 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 it's pushing people to contend with things that, you know, we stay very busy in life, right? We stay busy, busy, busy all the time. And part of that is just the business of of life, but it's also, you know, often gives us a a great way to not deal with certain things. So when that's taken away, you know, uh, things come up
0: to, to, to deal with that you've been trying not to deal with. So let's shift gears. I think I, uh, well, before we shift gears, I think we can both say that if there was one tip we were going to give people, who are struggling with anxiety at this time is if, if you're not ther- in therapy, get into therapy, you know, find somebody to talk to because there's really no better way to really understand what's going on for you and, yeah. and figure out how to cope more, you know, more the effectively. Other,
1: the, the, other, the other changes happen, Chris, as far as therapy, if people go into therapy, you know, some people say, I don't have the time and, you know, and, and all that, you know, now therapists are doing, therapy online. And I think a lot of therapists may continue to just do therapy online. And a lot of, a lot of patients may say, I don't want to have to go to an office every week because, you know, it takes me two, three hours to go for a 45, 50 minute session between travel and all. So, you know, there, there's never been a easier time to, to have therapy because people are doing telemedicine now, which is really, really great. And I've been doing some variation of it for, you know, a couple of years. But now I'm, I'm 100% over uh, until we, you know, get out of this. And it's, it's been tremendous, you know, and people are, uh, people enjoy working this way. And I think it, it offers the ability, you know, with the right therapist, it's uh, quality treatment can go on, you know, via, uh, via video.
0: Good point. So now let's shift gears. So one of the things that, I, that, you know, I notice a lot is that parents are really struggling with how to explain everything that's going on to children. So, what would you suggest for parents who are about how to talk to their kids about this?
1: You know, by and large, what I'm noticing is that um, a lot of kids are handling this better than better than I think we expected. I, I do find if, if kids have a stable household, if parents are keeping calm and panicked and take care of the basic needs, uh, Wi-Fi is good in the house where they can stay connected to their teachers and their friends. Kids are handling this this pretty well. Um, I I think, you know, you don't want to give false promises, but I think we can overall tell people that uh, we're going to get through this and everything is going to, you know, get back to normal at, 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 you know, at, at a certain time. I mean, we can't say that no one's going to get sick, but if someone gets sick, we're going to do what we need to do to get better. So try to give some reasonable assurances, but, you know, don't try to guard them from every, every reality of the situation because, you know, they know. They know. Uh, they they do watch news. Uh, so you know, just ask them to talk about anything that they're worried about. And uh, you know, if they're not overly worried, don't look for the worried. You know, a bunch mm-hmm. of signs. Are they are they sleeping? You know, same thing we do when we assess someone. Are they sleeping? Are they eating? Are they having nightmares? Are they do they seem preoccupied? Has a personality changed? I mean, if if some of that stuff is going on, I think you want to really assess. You know, how they're handling the situation. But uh, let's not assume. every kid is struggling with this you know uh, i think parents are handling it well Uh, look a lot of families are under stress right now you know people have lost jobs and uh, people are having to adjust their whole work life you know people you know you know some some families have everyone at home working together they haven't lived like that or worked like that before so you know try to set up a really stable home environment try to have some family dinners try to send some family time together but I, I think, you know, just like they did in World War, World War II, the, the kids that stayed with their parents during the Blitz, you know, fared way much better than the kids that were sent out to orphanages in the country, you know, because they were detached from their family. So that, that's something, you know, be with your kids, be calm and, and open up a dialogue and talk about things. But don't necessarily assume that they're, they're struggling. But look for those signs that I talked about before, you know, a, a, as a sign that your, your son or daughter, you know, may be struggling in some way.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it always makes me think of, uh, you know, uh, an example I use with people a lot of times in terms of helping children is, you know, a child is riding their bicycle and they fall and they skin their knee. If you run over to them and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? Oh, This is terrible. They think it's terrible. If you go over to them and say, oh, my gosh, you have a boo boo. Let's go wash that off. We're going to make it feel better. Then they feel reassured. So when we That's remain true. centered and calm, our children will feel more centered and calm. And when our children ask us difficult questions, the best thing to do is to answer the question as simply and honestly as possible. Um, yeah, because yes, a, yes. a lot of times they're not asking anything quite as complex as we think. It, it can just be a very simple, simple answer. You right. know, John, I'm, I'm noticing that... Um, we're about out of time for today, uh, but it looked like you were, you know, I'm thinking you were about to say something.
1: I just, you know, one, one of the things that um, people people ask me is, is you know, what, what do I do to get rid of my anxiety? And I had a patient the other day, a prospective new patient coming in today and I say, I, I, I don't want any anxiety anymore. And I said, well, that's what your, my, my goal would be for you. I said, you should find a different therapist because I can't, I will not be able to help you get rid of all your anxiety. But what I can promise you is, We'll try to understand it, and we'll try to lessen it, and 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 get, make it be something that doesn't um, have such a big part in your life anymore. Life does have its anxieties, like we said. There's some good reasons for anxiety; it's a, it's a signal. So the mm-hmm. idea of having a anxiety-free life is not uh, is not possible, but a less neurotic <laughs> anxiety in your life that's certainly possible, and that's something that you know there, there's certainly a lot of people out there that will uh, that you know there to help. So um, I, I encourage anyone that's that's going through that's, that's living a life with a lot of anxiety. It doesn't have to be part of your life on a daily basis in an intense way. Um, it, it's, it's something that just like anything else, uh, you'll have, and you, you just contend with and, and realize everyone has some degree of it. Even, even Chris and I have some right. degree of it, right? You know, so, but it's just knowing it and helping people to, to better understand that part of life. We all, we all, uh, love being happy, you know, we, but we can't just be happy all the time, right? Sometimes there's sadness and anxiety comes to our life. So just having a place to talk about that, I think is pretty helpful.
0: I can't think of a better way to end, really, you know, that it, that anxiety is part of life. And, and it, you know, we've, we've come full circle, you know, I, I was asking you about people trying to get rid of anxiety. It's not something that we entirely get rid of. It's something right. that we learn to have a, a much more healthy relationship with. Uh, So listeners, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you and your families are staying safe and well. Uh, Please do join us soon again for another in our series of Conversations About Student Mental Health. Take care, everyone. Conversations About Student Mental Health is brought to you by Sage Thrive, Partners in School-Based Mental Wellness. You can find the show notes on our website at www.sagethrivetoday.com. You can also suggest topics for upcoming episodes of the podcast. We'd love to know what issues related to student mental health you want to hear more about.